0: Book of Esther, and uh, the message series um, uh, is, was called "Beyond," looking beyond the surface, beyond the surface, and, uh, and, the, and, and the whole idea or the premise is that um, uh, things are not always what they appear as, and and that there is a reality of the spiritual world uh, that we, coexists with the natural things that we see outside, and oftentimes. Plays a more active role than we realize or give credit to, um, uh, to the way things are in the world. But we as the believers, as a people who are called by his name, how God has given us our absolute authority to be able to, to, in the power of Jesus Christ, be able to navigate, not, not, not just be people who are blinded and get upset with everything that's going on, get upset with people, but God wants us to be spiritually minded and be able to see things um, with, God, with God's eyes, not just human eyes. You see, as humans and I, we, we, we always think that we can solve all the problems of the world. And it always amazes me how very little we are able to do. If we sat down right now and we start taking notes on what's wrong in the world. I mean, we could write books and books and books and find all the wrong things. And we can get all the smart people together to put together... Uh, um, uh, an action plan that will solve all the problems. And guess what? And we will fail over and over again. Because man is never his own savior. And when we are trying to deal with things that have a spiritual root, and we see the natural consequences... We prune the natural consequences with all our genius and our innovation and our studies, but never get to the spiritual root and think, why are things the way they are? And God is calling us as the people of God to look at things not just naturally. It says in the Bible that to be, uh, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. God is calling us to be, to be spiritual people. So um, in, in, in our series, we've been looking at Esther. And I want to read from chapter 5. And the story, for those who are new for starters, and, uh, and if you've never read the book of Esther, I want to just encourage you, read it. If you haven't yet, I think I did that last week. If this is your third encouragement read it today maybe perhaps read it before the football season starts read it sometime you will get a lot more out of the message when you read it and and, and i I promise you the the lord will bless your heart will bless your life Uh, we need to get back to the word um I can give you only so much, but you have to cultivate that hunger and the desire for the word of God yourself. See the Bible says that we should not be like little children who are tossed to and fro by every wound of doctrine. If you're not grounded in the word of God yourself, there's going to come a time of confusion and you, if you're not grounded in the word of God, you would find that you're going with every wave. I could even come here and teach you weird things if you don't know your word. You will waver by what I speak. And so I'm not trying to tell you to th- how you think, but I want to encourage you God's people because this is the sword of the Spirit. This is what will stand. The Word of God is what will stand. Things are going to change. What's acceptable, what's cool, what's awesome in the world will change from time to time. And we can't go with the waves, but the Word of God will continue to stand. And so it says heaven and earth will pass away, but His Word will continue to stand. So we need to be people of the world. So I'm encouraging you to read the book of Esther. Uh, and if I'm I, I'm speaking things are like oh boy i don't know what pastor solo's been drinking i told you it's coffee and sometimes it's it's a camel latte <laughs> <laughs> except yesterday we were going we went down to the uh farmers market and you know you go around and you see the meal i was like, man an iced camel latte sounds really good right now and Judah's like, well, hey, I got a gift card to to the meal. I'm like, okay, go get me uh, an iced caramel latte. And I get my camel latte, except it doesn't have caramel. I'm like, there's no camel latte without caramel. And, 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 and my mother-in-law goes, well, maybe the Lord's helping you to cut those sugar down. I said, my goodness, my God is not that mean. He's so good. That said, you know, it's like... If you are not in the Word yourself, yes. you make yourself vulnerable yes. to weird doctrines. And there's a lot going on out there. Yes. And people that are following that, is, it shows that they're not in the Word. You don't have to be an expert. Let me tell you, the day you accepted Jesus Christ in your life, when the day you said, come into my heart, I surrender my life to you, I I, I invite into my life, he deposited his spirit inside of you, and he is your teacher who confirms. He says that the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. He he bears witness with our spirit. So so if you have that spirit and you are in the word, you ask the Lord to reveal. He is so faithful. If you've never tried this, I challenge you to do it. Start it this week. Start it today. You go back, sit down, and say, "God, you know, I don't always get it, but today I want to read. Speak to me, Lord. Let Your Spirit reveal to me what it is that You want me to know, what You want me to hear from Your Word." And I come. I-, I-, I promise you, our God is faithful. He doesn't just say things; He backs up His Word. You ask, you will receive. And he's given us his Holy Spirit to help us, to assist us when we cannot help ourselves. And so sometimes there are revelation. God will start speaking through what? He'll give you a word in a season. You're like, things are going hard, uh, things are hard in your life, and he'll give you a word in the season. So Esther, the the reason I'm reading her story here a little bit is because they're in a place, a bad place. And her herself... It's actually not in a bad place as you would, but her people, they lived at the time during the reign of the, uh, uh, the, of the Persian Empire. Uh, and uh, at this time, this Persian Empire was very powerful about four centuries before the time of Christ, BC. It was so powerful, it stemmed through as far east as India, all through the Middle East and even uh, and, and west all the way to Africa, parts of East Africa. Powerful, powerful um, empire. And the Jewish people were also in the middle and had all these provinces all over the place. And, and and there was a man called Haman who hated the Jews. And in fact, what his thing about the Jews was not necessarily that he hated the Jews so much, he actually hated one guy called Mordecai. And his hate was actually very personal. It's not like he hated his hate was very personal to Mordecai. But he took it out on, 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 on all of Mordecai's people. He took it out on the Jews. And it he got, he got so bad that he wanted all of them killed. And he had become very powerful, very influential, and had gotten to a point where he would have all the Jews killed all throughout the empire. And Esther is strategically placed by God. In the place where she can stand in the middle between, if you would, the Bible says between the living and the dead. He, she can stand as an intercessor and provide a, a, a way of escape for the Jews. And God will, in a, will come on behalf of Esther. Now Esther was a queen at the time. And it's under very, very interesting circumstances. That's why I'm telling you, read the book, read the book, read the book because I don't have time to explain all of that, but at this point, she finds herself in the position of the queen. And, and, and uh, I said, last week I said her uncle, but I meant his, uh, it's a, a, a cousin. It was an older cousin who, who adopted uh, Esther. When she was little, her parents died. And her cousin took her on as her own child. So the relationship, even though she was a cousin, there was a huge uh, age difference. So that's why he kind of came out to cry like a father, like an uncle as well. And so Esther uncle, oh see I keep saying uncle because there's a huge age gap here. So Esther's cousin, Mordecai, pleaded with Esther and said, God has called you to the kingdom for such a time as this. I know it's a risk for you to go in and do something. The law was if the king is in the inner court nobody was allowed to summon the king unless they were invited. You cannot initiate a, a, a meeting with the king in his inner court. There was only one law, if someone attempted to do that, is that they would be killed. And so Esther says, it's been 30 days since the last time I was summoned to come. Even though he's my husband, there is a law that prohibits me to just walk into the inner court unless I've been called in. And he goes, there was only one condition. If someone would go in uninvited, if the king would lift this scepter that he had in his hand on them that that means that they found favor with the king and there's an exemption. But if you found a guy in the bad mood after firing his secretary of communication or whatever, if that's even a call, why did you let CNN write that? Where were you? You find him in a bad mood, you'd be dead. But Esther knew that this dependent I'm giving you the story because I realize if I start reading, it'll be a long time, and you, give up, you guys will be getting hungry. <laughs> I know some of you guys. I know it. Esther goes on in faith, but there's something that she does before she ever approaches the king, which is in chapter four, and we read two weeks ago. When, he, when she realized that she had to do something that all her people will be killed unless she did something esther looked beyond the political situation that was going on and she said mordecai i'm gonna ask you to do something for me i want you and your people and your small group get together fast for three days and start praying Start calling on the name of the Lord for me. And I'll do the same thing with myself and my small group. You see where I'm going, guys. It's not that genius. But she had a small, she had a small group of people that, that they got together for, uh, for, for three days. Before she ever opened her mouth, they started praying. They started praying. They started praying. They fasted. They did not eat or drink for three days and called on. Why? They started engaging the heavenlies. They started engaging the supernatural battle that was going on. They started engaging the spiritual before they took steps in the natural. You see, I found too many times we react very quickly to the circumstances that we find ourselves in. You go to work and you find out you don't have a job. We start freaking out. And you do something and you find out, oh, maybe I gotta, I gotta deal with this sickness. Or, and we start freaking out and we start reacting to the natural circumstances, not realizing that sometimes there is a spiritual thing behind it that we need to be getting on our knees and praying before we open our mouth. Sometimes we tell people our frustration before we ever take it to God. Oh boy, you know I'm preaching better than you're amening me right now. I remember one time, it was years years ago in the late 90s. Seems like years ago. It's so weird to say years ago because it feels like the other day we had this meeting at our church we had like Joyce Meyer was coming to do that big meeting in Nairobi and we were we were hosting our church was hosting and uh, and um, <clears throat> and was, uh, I think I was one of one, one of the people I forget what ministry I was involved in I was in the sound ministry at the time I was always involved in some ministry and so we, because everyone wanted to come and see Joyce Meyer, and so all the doors were shut because people will come and leave their Bibles and stuff overnight and mark seats for, you know, Christians are just not better. They're not any better than non-believers in these types of things. And so everyone will take their best seats, you know, they'll be in the front, you know. So, so we, the pastors decided, hey, we're going to shut all the doors and we'll open at a certain time. And all of the people that are serving uh, that can be in the building and, uh, and uh, they can, um, uh, they can uh, uh, get everything ready. And then when the doors open, people can come. So, you no, know, people don't, you know, come in, book their seat and be gone for, 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 for two days and show up and say, That was my seat. I can't believe they even took it. You know, I've seen that happen to church. Oh, you will not believe who took my seat today. You know, so that's how some battles start. <laughs> So I'm out there serving, and and doing well, and uh, it's all people that serve in the church and everything. And um, the meeting is about to start, and we're about to open the doors. I'd come from work before setting up, it was an evening meeting. And I had my billfold uh, with me uh, that had all my stuff, all my personal stuff. I had an important interview, and all the documents were in there. I come back where I left it, and it wasn't there. It's gone. And I'm like, okay. Starting, t- there was, this, my passport was in there. And I was supposed to take an overseas trip. And I'm thinking, this is crazy how things are happening. So I, I asked a guy that was a head usher, His name was Benson. <laughs> I said, Ben, did you get my stuff? He said, I have no idea. No, no, I didn't. And I got mad at Ben. He's like, you're the head asher, man. Are you kidding me? So I'm starting to lose it. I'm walking around, the doors are about to open, and, uh, and I'm talking. He's like, these are all leaders in here. There's like no one out there that you'll be suspicious would take your stuff. And man, I'm walking through the hallway, and I'm so frustrated. And the person I got mad at the most was, Ben, you're the head asher. You should be in control of everything that's going on here. And as I'm walking, and I'm getting really frustrated. The Lord uh, spoke to me and says, did you ask me? had not even asked the Lord I had just not paused a minute to say, God what's going on here and I was taking out my frustrations on people when I had not even consulted the person I needed to consult and the moment I was like oh God you know so now you have a prayer of repentance before you ask God okay <laughs> you got me on that and I am sorry I never even gave you a chance And sometimes, we don't even give God a chance. Oh, someone say say it again. Sometimes, we don't even give God a chance. And we take out our frustration on people. When there's a spiritual thing going on, God's trying to work something inside of us. God is trying to mold us because he's preparing for what he already has in store for us. And sometimes how many know if you have a great future, sometimes you have to go through some things to be prepared to handle what God has for your future. And as moment I prayed there and I said, Lord, I am sorry for taking it out on people and not even taking a moment and asking you. And I just repented. It wasn't a complicated prayer where I got on my knees and started crying out to the name of the Lord, my God. Ossai. It was just a simple prayer. Immediately there's a pastor. His name was Joel. He had known when people come in, there'll be confusion. So he instructed a guy and says, Take all those things and put it in the office so that when those guys come, You know how many know God has ways of teaching us sometimes? Esther realized that there is a battle going on here, chapter 4. But before I even go to the king, people, let's get to some serious praying. Let's start praying spiritually. Let's start calling on the name of the Lord. Let's do something. So the third day where I wanted to read today, I'll read this part. But he says, on the third day, Esther put on her royal robe and stood in the inner court of the palace in front of the king's hall. The king was sitting on, the, on his royal throne in the hall facing the entrance. Then he saw Queen Esther standing in the court and he, ple- he was pleased with her and held out the golden sceptre that was in his hand. So Esther approached and touched the tip of the sceptre. Then the king asked, what is it, Queen, e- uh, Queen Esther? What is your request? Even half half the kingdom, it will be given to you. Esther goes, if he pleases the king, she replied. Let the king, together with Haman, come together today, come to a banquet that I have prepared. Verse five says, "Then bring Haman at once the king said, so that he would do, he may do what Esther's asked. So the king and Haman went to the banquet, and Esther had pre- that Esther had prepared. And as they were drinking wine, the king asked Esther, "Now, what's your petition? It will be given to you, and he any request, anything you request." And here he repeats again. He says, "Even half of the kingdom, it will be given to you." See, that empire was on the at the time was the greatest in the world. You picture, if you like geography, or if you can picture it at all. Sometimes I figure there are some people that have no concept of that. But from Egypt, uh, from India to Africa, you think about how many nations that he covered, all the way to southern Europe, and down south through the Persian area. He says, even half of it, anything. What is it that you want? It will be given to you. You know what God caught my attention when, as I was reading this, what caught my attention was the favor, the king's favor, did not even begin. It you know, was not realized until Esther, who was the bride of the king, took her place. It says that on the third day, Esther put her royal robe and stood in the inner court of the palace. Now think about this. The Bible says that the church is the bride of Christ. That's the, figure, that's a, the Bible says that the church is the bride, bride of Christ. And God wants to do something in the world. God wants to do something in our nation. God wants to do something in this generation. But God's victorious hand will, doesn't even begin to move until the bride takes her place. He's calling us as his people to take our place, to know who we are. You know, when she went there, she didn't go casually, she put on her royal robe. She put on she took her place, and things began to shift. You see, what really caught me, if you read the f- previous verses, you will find that Esther had become king, queen under very unusual circumstances. See, this king, Xerxes had his wife at the time, and they, they, they liked wild parties, and they'll get drunk all the time. And his, his first wife would actually get drunk and get all crazy and then um, one time she did not respond to something that needed to be done. And they had to change the law and they said, you know, they would kick her out and say someone else more honorable will take her place. Esther was part of the young women that were selected uh, to, to, to be prospects of becoming queens. She was a Jew. An orphan. Remember that. Her dad, her parents had died when she was young. (coughs) Jews in the big kingdom, in the big empire, were not a very significant part of the Persian Empire in terms of influence. They were at the bottom of the barrel. But yet God knew that she, he had appointed her. For such a time as this. God would use her life to spare the lives of millions. God will use her life to, to, to actually as a part of his plan to bring the Messiah to the world 400 years later. Because she is part of the lineage. God will do that. I'm, I'm, make, I'm, I'm pointing that out because there are people in this room today that you've called yourself off because you look at your background, you think that some people had a better start. You say, when they, everyone was delta card when the game started, I got the worst. We play a game called Face 10. I mean, no like Face 10? Okay, Face 10, if you don't know that, man, you need to know Jesus a little bit. <laughs> but you find... That <laughs> and sometimes you'll get like, you have to put these numbers together and like... I mean, he wants, he wants you to get a run of nine numbers, and all you get is the same exact number. <laughs> yes. How many know that you're messed up? You're probably not winning this. And a six-year-old will be like, I beat you. <laughs> but sometimes. We look at the decks of our clouds. We calculate our lives based on our history, our family, the mistakes we've made. We messed up a few times. We failed time and time again. And we count ourselves off as being people that would make influence or be used by God mightily. And so it even hinders how we pray. Because inside of our hearts, we don't really believe that God will use us mightily. You see, Esther was connected to Mordecai. Mordecai adopted Esther. Do you think he even had the inclination in his mind when he adopted this young girl of who she would become? I would say he probably had no idea. He was not a name. But God might even be set you up to be one that prepares a way for an influencer. This is a picture. This story is a picture. Of what God wants to do in the, church, in the world. Through his bride. The church. See people are dying every day. Without Jesus. People are dying every day. Without a hope. People are dying every day. With one of those. I cannot hope that if I would kick the bucket, as the saying goes, that I would go to heaven. And some even assume that they would because they are good people. They weigh in, they think, you know, I'm not as bad as Sam. I was a better brother. (laughs) I'm kidding, it's actually the opposite. (laughs) And we weigh in all all our goodness, and we're like, you know, I'm nobody's perfect after all, so I kinda, I can be bad just a little bit, and we think that that will qualify us. And I'm not saying people in this room, maybe one or two or three or four, but people out there, that's the mindset they have. But Jesus said that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And you know, God has placed his church as an instrument for redemption. Just as Esther, the bride of this king, Azaxus, was the instrument of redemption to bring, to spare life, to bring life to those who are already figuratively dead. Because the day had been established for where they will all be annihilated. But yet God had already positioned a bride that would stand in the gap and, and bring redemption And so that's the church, that's the body of Christ, that's the bride of Christ. Without the church, the world cannot be saved. Without the church, the world has no hope. Without the church, there are no solutions for the problem of humanity. Because the biggest problem of humanity is not cancer, it's not sickness, it's not... The biggest problem of humanity is sin without Christ. Sin is the biggest thing. See, in Romans it says... That the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the law had already been set. You see, you realize the king was being put in a bad place. The decree had already been made. There was a law in place to keep him from doing what he wanted to do. Except for favor. So when Esther is going to intercept and ask something, He's asking for, for a bill to be reversed that went through Congress and it was stamped and the president signed it and says, No, we want to scrap it all together. Mm. He says the only thing that could do that was favor. Yeah. See, the fate of mankind has already been set. Because the wages of sin is death. That's a settled deal. Yeah. But how many thank God for the favor, the gift of God? And that comes through Jesus Christ. He says, if the wages of sin is death. And all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. How many know that the fate of mankind, it is a damn deal. But I thank God for Jesus Christ. Who came and gave us the favor of God. He took took the sin that we have. He took all of our human sin. He took everything that we've ever done. And he took it upon himself. And he took the death on the cross. For you. And for me. So now we can go. To God. Not because we have so accumulated enough goodies. Compared to our badness because even our own righteousness the bible says like filth rocks before the lord it's not not because we've accumulated enough good we've done we've helped enough people we have been so good to our neighbors we've been so good to our co-workers we've been so good to our employees we've been righteous in every all that is nothing because we can never match up to god but jesus comes and he says by, by by the blood that is shed on that tree he extends the favor of God to us. Even though we don't deserve it. The law has been settled. Yes. He lifts the scapter. Yes. And he says, favor. So we are standing here today. We were singing and worshiping God. It's not that we deserve it. Many of you maybe even fought with your wife before you came to church. But the Lord sees us through the blood of Jesus. Yes. And he says, I see holy hands being lifted up i see hands up no because the blood of jesus covers covers every sin he covers every weakness he covers every problem he covers all our weaknesses and god accepts us as righteous because of the throne because of the cross but he strategically placed his bride in 2019 the bride of Christ standing in place for those on the other side who do not have the hope that we have. It really stood out to me there. The king already loved Esther. You know what it says when she was being brought in. He says he loved her more than anyone. He was so impressed with her more than anyone. He looked at all these beautiful women and their character and they learned everything that is to know and says. Man, that one, I really like. I like everything about her. She is, that's who I want to marry. That's who I want. So Esther already had the favor of God. She already had the favor of King Zaxus. But until she took her place, took on that royal robe, and stood, the fate of the others was not changed. I don't know if you're following me a little bit here. You, if you're a believer, already have the favor of God in your life. When you accepted Christ, He threw your sins into the sea of forgetfulness. He made you a son and a daughter of the Most High God. He, he, you are accepted. You are safe. You are safe. Like Esther was safe in the palace. But people would die. Like we are saved by grace. But people will go to hell until the church, the bride of Christ, takes her place. Mm -hmm. And I realize that sometimes you don't feel that way. And I would say this, I've seen it even in my own personal life. It's so crazy how this works. It's not even kidding. The more we pray... The more time we spend in the Lord, the more confident we are of who we are. If that makes any sense whatsoever. The more time we spend with the King, the more time we pray, the more confidence we have as children of God. They're children of God walking everywhere, but they are walking with their heads down. They are walking arched back a little bit. They are walking discouraged. They are walking in fear. They are walking in frustration. They are dealing with stress like you wouldn't believe it. It's not that they are not who they are. It's not that their identity as children of God has been warped up or anything. They're just not spending time with who they should be spending time with. And so their confidence begins to erode a little bit. It's not like God lifted his favor off because the favor is undeserving. You didn't do anything to earn the favor. He already has a favor over your life. He already has his hand over your life. Esther got this. She realized that prayer changes everything. We as believers, when we begin to spend time with God, the church is called to prayer. We need to start praying. You want to you wanna walk? You want to take your place as a believer? You start praying like never before. Pray like never. <laughs> if that makes any sense. He goes to that place. He says, Mordecai. I want you guys to go out and get some serious praying here. Not just one of us pray for me and I do nothing. No. Let's get on our knees. Let's get praying people. Sometimes we are dealing with life and death, even health-wise. And we only engage in casual prayers. And the Lord says the power of God, the power of God's favor, begins to be realized when the people of God to pray. Imagine this. He says, even the nation, the cause of the nation, God has put it, it's dependent on his people praying. I know why it's quiet in this room. Because you like me, also, little, sometimes we don't pray as we ought to pray. Amen. And we know it and they like, Oh, yeah, the pastor's going at it. Pray again. No. It's because you're human and you're dealing with the physical weight and the emotional weight. And the Lord says, keep refocusing, keep refocusing. Even when you don't feel like you keep pressing through the spiritual battle, sometimes it's hard fought. You can see story after story in the Bible that that spiritual battle oftentimes is hard fought. Talk to guys maybe in a small group. where guys get together, it's like, you know, today I was just so wiped out. I didn't feel like going, because the work was so hard, it was so stressful, I just could not do it. And you, you're fighting, your physical self is feeling the impact of the spiritual battle that's going on. It just, but I'm sure glad I came. I've had people saying, oh boy, today I almost never went to church. I considered it, I tossed to and from. Maybe it's you today, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I, I, I'm too tired. And he says, I pulled myself out and I pushed in and I pressed in and I showed up. And sure, I'm so glad I did it. What do you think is going on? Because there's a battle spiritually that's trying to keep you from where your source of strength comes from. We were singing this morning, where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord. I teared up when we were singing that song. It touched me so much, I don't know why, but uh, it may ha- maybe it has to do with that realization that I know without God I am nothing. We use that, that, that verse that, that, that quotes that uh, at our wedding here 17 years ago last week. It was the main song we, we had. It's like, where I will look into the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. It doesn't come from the government. It doesn't come from my intellect. It doesn't come from the things that I've done. It comes from the Lord every single time. And when you realize and connect that and appreciate that and take nothing for granted, always, Lord, thank you. Because I know where my help comes from. It comes from the Lord. It comes from the Lord. When you're feeling hard and you're pressed in and prayer is difficult, you know, there's a, there's a way the Bible says, it says that you come into his gates with thanksgiving. That's a, uh, if you want to understand this, and into his courts with praise. So sometimes when you're feeling hard in prayer, you, you feel like you're hitting the wall and nothing's happening. It says there's a thing, you're, you're way out on the gate. Out there. But you break through the gate with thanksgiving. Amen. Oh, Pastor, I try to prayer. My heart is so hard. I can't do anything. Start thanking God. Amen. Just start listing things that you can be thankful for. I can't think of what to pray for. God, thank you. Thank you. I can feel the heartbeat right now. Thank you, God, that I'm alive. Oh, boy, I'm not as in good shape as I need to be. I, I, the report was horrible, but God, thank you. I'm still alive. Oh, God, oh, I'm struggling. I don't have any money. I don't have... God, but I thank you that I have life. Oh, God, I thank you that I'm going to a place to sleep, a roof over my head. I thank you that I have shoes on my feet. I thank you. Yeah, I mean, you start walk asking the little things, the small things. You look at God, thank you for a, a drink of water that I can drink when I'm thirsty and not even think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Do you realize that there's someone right now, this treasure that I probably will not finish and toss it? That today in our world, there is someone who cannot get a drink of water like this? And that's what the Bible says. You come into his gates with thanksgiving. You start becoming thankful and start thanking God for this, thanking God for looking for every little thing. You will all of a sudden, something in your spirit will begin to happen. And the spirit of heaviness, he says, that God will take. It will, replace the, it will replace the garment of praise. It will give us a garment of praise yes. for the spirit of heaviness. Yes. You're feeling heavy. You're feeling like you're going nowhere. Start thanking. Yes. I had three points. The, I told you it's a series. So we have all of our two more weeks to fit this in. So, and I'm not going to go to the other points. But I want to tell you a story before I close. I remember when Belle, she doesn't know, see when you're a pastor's kid you get picked on sometimes and she doesn't remember this, it wasn't bad. <laughs> when she was little, I don't remember how old, and the first time she started, she was like she had graduated from the tricycle <laughs> to the real bike with with training wheels, but they're not they're just graduating from training wheels now. And so, we used to ride bikes with nothing. I mean, these days, you gotta have like a flashy helmet and all the different things that protect you from being hurt at all. Man, we would, we would, I would have been dead a long time ago. The things we did on the bike back then, and the places we took those bikes, and what we did, you know, God only knows. But I remember... And uh, she was so happy when she got all her kneecaps and her elbow pads and her helmet. And, and she was just so excited. They were all flashy and her best colors at the time. I don't know if that's changed now. And so at night we were going to pray and she started praying. I said, Lord, I thank you for my bike. And I thank you for my this one and my this one and my this one. And my this one. Cause she didn't know what to call it. And right there, the Lord says, you know how little kids, if we train them to be thankful, they are they're thankful for all the details. Yes. And Satan is so good at making us forget all the details. And focus only on the thing that's pressing the most that looks the most horrible. And until the bride takes our place, and it's a place of prayer, and when prayer is heard, I'm giving you a prescription here. When prayer is heard, you haven't thanked enough. Because once you start thinking, and I mean crazy thinking, just thanking. Thanking, if it, if it takes you five hours to think, you will find that you will cross that gate, and soon enough, you'll be at the next part of that verse that says, and into his court. That's where Esther went. Nobody goes to the inner court unless they've been summoned. But because of her thankfulness, because of her prayer, she broke through the gates with thanksgiving. And she was able to be ushered into the courts where she can reach out and touch.